Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. sisters in Christ, welcoming those in who, who may not know you yet to come together in this, this moment of eternity to praise your holy name, Lord God. How amazing is that? And we, Lord, we do this because we're surrendered, we're humbled, we have a desire to do so. So Lord God, search our hearts. And if there's anything in there that, that runs contrary to to just a pure desire to worship you. Lord God, we ask you bring that to the surface and, and, and Holy Spirit, help us to deal with that. And thank you, Jesus, that, that you gave us the ability to do just that. So Lord God, as we're here this morning and, and there can be distractions of the world, there can be emotional things going on, there can be physical things going on, there can be spiritual things going on. Lord, help us to, to turn our eyes from all of those things and place them solely upon you. Because in you and you alone are we made free. Lord God, in you and you alone do we receive provision and protection from this sinful world. So Lord, be glorified today. Be glorified today. We say hallelujah. There is none like you. There is none worthy like you. And there is no one else that reigns supreme over all things but you. So Lord God, we pray for our community. We pray that we can be a light into the darkness. Lord God, that we can, we can have open doors and invite people in. And Lord God, that we meet them where they are but we walk with them so they don't have to stay in that spot. So Lord God, if you see fit, bless us with, with people who desperately need a change in their life, who desperately need to meet you. And we trust you in this prayer, Lord God. We trust you in this. Jesus, you are wonderful. You are the reason that we're here. And in your name, there is power. So we will speak that name continually over our family, over our church, and over our community because the mighty name of Jesus bows to nothing. Holy Spirit, have your way in this service this morning. Lord God, we yield to you in your guidance. Convict us, lay down a challenge, place forth an opportunity, confirm those things that we've been than been asking. Lord God, we desire your wisdom and your discernment in all of these things. We also desire to operate in the fruit of the Spirit. God, we love you so much, and we are thankful to be here. We pray this in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and everyone shout it out. Amen. You guys can be seated. Everybody doing good today? Oh, I like it. We're going to be a loud church today? Yes. From the front row to the back row. We've got like corners going here. It'll be, it'll be awesome for me. I'm going to have so much fun this morning. Well, let's, uh, let's dismiss our kids. Let's, let's let them out of this place so they can go have fun, and we're going to stay up here, and we're going to be challenged up here. So kids, yeah. All right, a few announcements. We have a few announcements going on here. We just want to make sure everybody knows what is going on. So today and next Sunday after service, next Sunday will be after um, the last Sunday's potluck, is a cafe training. If you are involved with the cafe at all, 
um, you need to you need to attend one of these trainings with the new machine and and all of that stuff. Really, we need to make sure you know how to make the pastor's tea. That's really what the training is is all about. So no, that's not it at all. Um, but see which one works for you. Um, just so everybody's on the same page, then you don't walk into that being all confused or anything like that. So either to, today after service or next Sunday after service. And then of course we've started our Wednesday night stuff. We've got that rolling. We've got the adult life groups and that's the family project. I'll say about something about that in a second. We have refuge student ministries. That's, that's going good. Invite your friends, invite People in your neighborhood, if you've got teenagers or kids in your neighborhood and they don't have a church, if they're just there and not, not affiliated with anything, heck, invite them and then offer to bring them. And then when you bring them, you can come to, to the adult life group class while they, while they do that. So we need to just be that. We need to be that kind of church where we're going to get out of our comfort zones, I guess, and say, hey, if you need a ride, I'll, I'll do that. So we have Refuge Student Ministries, and then, of course, we have Bridge Kids on Wednesday night. And with the adult life group, um, the family project is, it's deep. It's, it's good. If, if, uh, if you guys have attended it, you know what I'm talking about. And um, I was actually gone last Wednesday, um, but Bruce emailed me and he said that the, the, the people that are coming Wednesday night want you to play a trailer of this class so everybody knows what's going on because that's how, that's how much they're, they're enjoying it and being challenged. So we're going to run a quick trailer of what we're doing on Wednesday nights here and then we'll hopefully have some... Can you translate that? <laughs> just, just, yeah, keep starting that over until we get the volume up. There it is. Hey, Amy, just, that's not the right. It's a great song, though. It my attention is that God has put this expression in place. This, hi, my name's Jim Daly, president of Focus on the Family. And I want to welcome you to the journey that you're about to experience through the Family Project. Uh, our desire is really to reintroduce and to encourage people who know that God's design for the family is the direction for us to go. When you look at God's design for the family, the thing that catches my attention is that God has put this expression in place, this institution in place to show his character and to hopefully point each of us into a relationship with Jesus Christ. In the Family Project, we want to uh, reassert this claim that God has done this with a purpose, that he's done it in order to point us to him. And it starts in the family where you learn love where you learn sorrow, where you learn healing. And we think it's time, it's time in this culture to reorient all of us to God's wonderful design for the family. All right, if you're free, some, if you're free on Wednesday night, just come and experience it. If you're not free, get free and come. This is an important one, and it's so vitally important, and, and maybe you're sitting there saying, yeah, but my family's great, or maybe I'm an empty nester, or whatever. That's, that's amazing. That's good for you and all that, but, but there's people around you that need to hear um, the things that are being spoken and, and that you learn in a class like this. There's a lot of families around us that are falling apart. You guys know that, don't you? We look out, and we see just a, the, the crumbling of the family. So, this just gives us more information and more ammunition to, to be able to speak these things forth. So please plan on attending on, on Wednesday nights. Um, and like I said, bring a neighborhood kid. Um, ask the parents first, though, because we don't want to go down that road again. Not that we've ever done that. All right, women's ministry has just started, right? You have the books in and all that. Everything's good. 6.30 on Tuesdays, meet in the foyer here, um, and it'll be a, a great class on Luke. We love the book of Luke. 
Um, let's see, last Sundays, like I mentioned before, last Sundays is next Sunday. Weird that there's, yeah, it seems like this is a very short month, but we'll have less, last Sundays, next Sunday, bring a main dish, a dessert, a, a side, all that good stuff, and we'll just have a, a great time. And then um, Jim had wants me to announce that the Gideons will be handing out their Bibles on Tuesdays. So keep that in prayer as they as they go around to the different um, school campuses and hand out those those Gideon Bibles. Pray for favor and protection on on all that. But just pray for that that man when that Bible gets in the hands of that student, it doesn't just get tossed in the pile with all the other books. But there's something that intrigues that student to actually open that up and begin to read. So let's keep that in prayer. And then finally, um, Carol Shope's Celebration of Life. If you, if you don't know already, that will be this coming Saturday, the 23rd. It will start at 1 p.m. and it will be at Anderson, is it Anderson Wilkie? Yes. Um, at that, that um, at their building followed by a reception at their building as well. So we're just going to, man, we are going to we are going to celebrate Carol's life. And, and, you know, she's now in a place that's amazing, yeah. right? No, more, no, no longer confined to, to this earth and, and all the things that this earth um, brought into her life that were not always a positive thing. Physically, she has been set free, and that's amazing. So we're going to celebrate that. So please... Please plan on coming out for that. Um, yeah, it's, and come ready for a celebration. Um, it's going to be good. All right, uh, four ways to give, right? Always four ways to give. You can give online through the app, through your just bridgehelena.com. You can text the amount to 84321. You can do the giving boxes, which are always a favorite, or you can mail it to 725 Granite, we know, I don't even have to go into this, we know we're a giving church, we know why it's important to give, and there's a, there's a lot of um, biblical reasons to give, um, but there's also spiritual reasons, right, and a lot of that is humility and surrender, and, and that's a great thing to do. All right, you guys ready to uh, jump into the message today? You guys should know where we are, because, my goodness, we're on the 14th week of this very short series on the very short book of Colossians in the Bible. Um, nothing short when it comes to my series. It doesn't seem like it, does it? But when I get into, into books like Colossians or First John or Acts or, or James or, or whatever it is, and, and you really slow down and you really start to, to marinate and, and dissect what is really being said, why it's being said, the context of what's being said, and then how that affects or applies into each one of our lives, boy, how can you go super fast? So I hope you're, you're okay with us taking a slow approach. I will tell you this, we're going to get through a whopping two verses today. Two verses! So, so it's going to be good. So yes, our series on, on Colossians will continue, and, and I hope we, each one of us, continue to learn and we take this, and then we apply it. And then we not only apply it, but we actually act upon it. Um, because this is what we're, we're receiving from the, the Word of God, right? Have you, have you ever thought about it like that before? That, that, that God, through His inspired, perfect, holy scriptures, extends to us something that we are able to receive right? That's what makes this book so much different, something that can transform our thought process. It can transform our worldview, something that has answers to all the questions. How could one book have answers to all the questions? It can if it's the living Word of God, something that is alive and that the Holy Spirit extends to us, and then we are able to receive and all we have to do is open up the Bible with the right heart, with the desire to get something out of it, and actually position ourselves to receive that. I think that is just absolutely amazing. That's why when I, uh, when I get into a series like this, I can't, I can't just run through it. It's got to take a long time because it's like God saying, look at all this stuff. 
Look at all this good stuff that's going to help you out now, that's going to protect you right now. All you have to do is slow down and receive it. Now remember the three basic reasons that, that Paul is, is writing this letter. We do it every week. Jesus is central and supreme to all and in all things. Jesus is the Son of God, and we are to strive to live a life in Christ. We take those three statements and we rearrange them a little bit and we apply it into our prayer life and our desire every day by by simply saying this jesus you are central and supreme to me in all things in my life jesus i believe you are the son of god jesus i will constantly and continually strive to live a life in you as my lord and savior are you guys doing it are you guys actually applying this and and, and meeting the day, right? If you wake up and you pray this kind of prayer, it's a, it's a great way to start your day off, right? Everything tends to, to be a little better that day, so I hope you, you are. If you guys remember from two weeks ago, we, uh, we, we read about how, how Paul was, was really digging into and stressing four important points. Those, those four points were the warning, the deity, the humanity, and the completeness. And that, there is so much packed right in there, and it's, it's so important because all of those come together and, and, and really support and testify to the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And then if you remember last week, we learned three important components of our faith that we need to understand. And those three components are spiritual circumcision, forgiveness of sins, and victory over the forces of evil. Now, if you missed either one of these last these messages that, that, that I just pulled from, or if you missed any of the messages, you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on YouTube, you can find us on, on all of that on our website, on our app. So, so jump, jump in, grab a listen, because of course we're doing a series, we're going verse by verse. It's important to know where we've been, because it helps us to understand where we are going. So today we're going to continue right where we left off. And once again, I want you to just back up, take a deep breath, open yourself up this morning, and position yourself to receive. See, God has great plans for each and every person in here. I can look at you guys, man, I can look all around the sanctuary and I can see all different faces, all different people, different times of your life, different, uh, different um, levels of the maturity in Christ that each one of you have, but I can look at each one of you and confidently say that God wants to expand you. He wants to expand. He wants to continue to expand you. He wants to, he wants to open you up. He wants to make you bigger. He wants to give you more territory. He wants to expand you. So this morning, we're going we're gonna to jump in here. We're going to see how the, the false teachers at Colossae were attempting to lay down these rigid restrictions upon the church. How many of you guys think that the church needs more restrictions, more man-made restrictions? Doesn't the church need a whole lot of that? No, it doesn't need any of that. What the church needs is the freedom in Christ. And, and this, again, is what, what Paul is stressing. Remember, Paul is not, not necessarily writing to to the problem. He's not writing to the, the false teachers. He's writing to the faithful believers. So what Paul is doing is he's giving them knowledge and wisdom to apply in their lives and in their church to, to uh, deal with the issues of the false teachers. And I love that about Paul. Paul could put, just reprimand the false teachers and go on with that, but instead he equips the church in order to deal with them so that Paul doesn't have to keep coming back and deal with the same problems over and over. So we love that equipping. We love the, that Paul loves the church so much that he has a desire to do just that. Now we need to understand that, that the Bible teaches us right from wrong. You guys believe that, that the Bible teaches us right from wrong? Um, it, it teaches us things to cling to, and it teaches us things to avoid. However, in man's desire to control things, humanistic religion can take over in it, and it seeks to add to or burden people with a lot of things that are not even biblically correct. And, and we've probably, um, maybe if we've, we've been a Christian long enough, we've, we've experienced these things, or we, we know people that have 
have experienced these things. And, and it goes all the way back to here. So what the false teachers were doing is they were bringing in all this, uh, this humanistic religion and they were seeking to control or divert um, the true nature of the gospel message. So let's take a look and, and see how lines were being blurred in the Colossian church. They were being much more than blurred. They were being crossed. In your Bibles, if you have them, and I hope you do, paper or electronic, turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. We're going to start out in verse 16, Colossians 2, 16. Therefore, let no one judge you in regard to food and drink or in regard to the observance of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Now, before we can even really dig into to this whole verse, we need to start with the first word, right? Therefore, the use of the word therefore implies um, it's important because it shows that there is a subsequent warning coming from Paul um, what, because of what he just conveyed in the last few verses about Christ's supremacy. So we, we have this, hey, this is Jesus. This is who he is. This is who we are. These are important fundamental practices like spiritual circumcision. Therefore, now we're going to put this into practice in terms of the false teaching that is coming against you. See, Jesus Christ is supreme, and his supremacy in our life is testified to through his completeness. And I love that we serve a God that is so complete. There is no misunderstanding. There is, there is nothing to be determined. God is not evolving into um, an entity that will become more and more perfect over time. God has been perfect always. God has been complete always. He doesn't have to take a class at the local university to, to brush up on his skills in this area or, or that. He is 100% complete. Now, our, our sin debt and, and our obligation to the, to the Mosaic law, that has been eliminated because of Christ's sacrifice and Christ's completeness. Remember the powerful words in, in verse 14? It's so powerful. And this certificate he has set aside and completely removed by nailing it to the cross. Such a powerful, important statement. This was important for the faithful believers in the Colossian church to hear and be reminded of, and it's important for us to hear and be reminded, reminded of. In light of what Christ has done and in regards to what Christ has accomplished, the faithful believer is to let no one, absolutely no one, judge their standing before God on the basis of their observations or non-observations of the regulations of the Mosaic law or man's religion. This is where the principle of Christian liber liberty comes into play. And we, we learn about that from Paul in, in Galatians 5.1. It was for this freedom that Christ has set us free, completely liberating us. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery which you once, which you once removed. Sorry. Um, now we can say, okay, yes, Paul is speaking to, to the Jewish people who have now come to Jesus. You know, they have the yoke of the law and all that. But how many of you guys know that you were under a yoke of slavery before you came to Christ? You might not even fully understand the bondage that you were in, right? But when we come to Christ, all of that is removed. We are, we are moved from that slavery to the freedom in Christ. And that's an important principle to understand. That's an important principle to understand when we're speaking with non-believers. We have to understand the freedom that we live in. We also have to understand the bondage that they live in. And we don't beat them over the head with their own bondage because that's not going to help them at all. We help lead them to the freedom that, that we have found in Christ. So we must understand the freedom that comes in Christ really does set us free. And that's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing. But it doesn't mean we take advantage of this freedom to live how we 
desire and engage in sinful things. Romans 6, 14 and 15, for sin will no longer be a master over you since you are not under the law as slaves, but under unmerited grace as recipients of God's favor and mercy. What then are we to conclude? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under God's grace? Certainly not. So as faithful believers who are actively engaged in the maturing process, we long for a true understanding and the Holy Spirit's wisdom in regards to our Christian liberty. The false teachers will try to, try to sway you. They're going to try to sway you from both sides, religious obligations and burdens on one side and, and hyper grace with little accountability on the other. In the middle, we find the full sufficiency of Christ's perfect balance. And that's how we must choose to live our life. See, we have to choose to stay within the balance of Jesus because there are so many voices that are going to try to pull you. And sometimes because of, of self-delusions and things like that, sometimes we feel like we have to be under man's rules and regulations because you're just a filthy sinner. And on the other side, we feel like we can do anything because grace covers everything, right? But both of those are incorrect, biblically incorrect. We have to strive to be in balance with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We also have to understand that sometimes we may need to voluntarily limit that, that Christian freedom that we have in Jesus Christ by having compassion on our weaker brothers and sisters. Look at Romans 14.1. As for the one whose faith is weak, accept him into your fellowship, but not for the purpose of quarreling over his opinions. Wow, what? That was, hey, so that was before social media and Facebook. Man, talk about some wise writing, some inspired writing by Paul. I hope you guys understand that fellowship works better with those whose faith is weak than arguing, right? How, how successful are you really arguing somebody to Jesus, <laughs> right? It's like, nope, that only results in more arguing and a fractured relationship. It's the opposite of fellowship. See, we are not to compromise. Rather, we are leading and guiding the conversation through fellowship, not arguing in disagreement. Look at 1 Corinthians 8.1. Now, about food sacrifice to idols, we know that we all have knowledge concerning this. Knowledge alone makes people self-righteously arrogant. But love that unselfishly seeks the best for others builds up and encourages others to grow in wisdom. Yeah, we got to watch that knowledge, don't we? Sometimes we get that knowledge and we, we really become self-righteous in that knowledge and we tend to use that knowledge as a weapon to beat people down and to argue with them. But Paul is saying, hey, hey, love works a whole lot better. Knowledge always has to be tempered with love, right? When we, not, when we temper our knowledge with love, that's where we gain wisdom, right? Knowledge without wisdom is, 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 can be very dangerous. And, and all too often, man, I, I read on Facebook and I listen to things and it's like, oh man, you got a lot of knowledge, but not a lot of love there. Coming from Kansas and in, in um, the Topeka area where the Westboro Church headquarters, they like to hold their signs at, at funerals and all different things. And, and that's a lot of knowledge without any love. It's also biblically incorrect. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. You guys that, that are here today, um, even if you're listening online, have you ever received a pamphlet or a list of regulations and requirements that you first need to uphold before you can attend service here? Have you, ever, have you ever had that? I'll use Paul's words here. Certainly not. And why is that? Because the hospital 
is of no use to the hurting and sick if they can never walk through the front door. So at Bridge, everyone is welcome despite how they are currently living their life. And I, and I truly 100% mean that. We will graciously invite them in. We'll even give them a free coffee drink. We'll give them a jar of jam. But more than that, we'll invite them to sit by us. And we will do all that with the excitement that whoever it is has the potential to meet Jesus right here in this building to further their relationship with Jesus and to strengthen their faith in Jesus. How wonderful is that? That anyone can walk through these doors and be welcomed in. We will always strive to extend the love, mercy, and grace of the Father through the Son and by way of the Holy Spirit. And not the judgmental requirements that religious man heaps upon outsiders, right? It happens all the time. Now that is in no way mean, meaning that we, that we tolerate their sin. We're, we're not going to tolerate their sin. Rather, it means that we, we are going to help them in their sin by introducing them to the only one who can change their life. That's who we have to be as a church. I believe in my heart that that is biblically correct. It is what the church needs to be. Look at Jesus and how Jesus lived his life. He didn't set the requirements out first. He set the relationship out first. And once we discover the relationship, any, any truly biblical requirements from God the Father himself fall into place if we first have the relationship with Jesus. When we meet people, a lot of times we need to make that relationship with them first, and then everything else begins to fall in place in their life. Please, please don't try to argue somebody to Jesus. Instead, have fellowship with that person. In the Colossian church, the issues that they were faced with was really they needed, the faithful believers needed to challenge the false teachers with their own Christian freedom. So when somebody comes and, 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 and puts something, a burden down upon them and says, hey, if you're really a Christian, you have to do this, then our Christian freedom responds to that in a biblically accurate response that is encased in the love of Jesus, right? I'm so glad you agreed with me. We're all on the same page. We should change this community now if we completely believe this. We should be going out and completely believe. Man, there are certain people groups. Certain, they, just, they exude so much worldliness and so much evil that, that in many ways I want to make them my enemy. I want to go argue with them. However, that's not going to lead anywhere. But if I can have fellowship, if we can begin a relationship, if, if, if they can get to a point where they can actually hear what I'm saying, and what I'm saying are the words of Jesus inspired by the Holy Spirit in that situation, oh my gosh, that is what will call people into a relationship with Jesus. See, we must glorify God in both our freedom as well as our compassion, right? Now we can make the assumption as we are reading this verse that the issue here is the obligation of the Mosaic law being enforced upon the faithful believers in the Colossian church because really at that time within the context of this time, within the context of Paul's writings, this is what the main issue was in all the churches that were around that, that geographic area. However, it's not specific here. So it is, it is possible that the false teachers were trying to apply some other set or code 
of regulations here. We, we just don't know. It, it possibly could have been the, the false teachers in that church had, had just clung to the Old Testament and they were reading that on their own and they were interpreting it on their own independent of, of any Jewish influences and then they were taking that and trying to apply it into the gospel message of Christ and the health of that church regardless Paul's main point here is the same. Walk in the freedom that being a born-again believer transfers on to us. We got to be walking in our freedom. Not in a freedom that we can just do whatever we want, but a freedom from sin, a freedom from death, a freedom from the law, a freedom from this world. If we truly walk in that freedom, it makes it hard for us to condemn ourselves or let others condemn us for things that we may do or things that we may not do. See, Paul wants the faithful to understand that no one, no one should be permitted to test another person's piety based upon their own expectation. That's a dangerous game. And that's a, that's a game that, that is played all over the place and in so many different churches. Whenever we eat and drink, whenever we are to eat and drink for the glory of God. Not just on certain dates, not just during certain times, not with certain food. Anything that we eat and drink, we are to eat and drink for the glory of God. In regards to the observances of a, a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, we are to live our life where Jesus is the most important and the most involved person each and every day and not just certain days on the calendar. See, that's why we choose to attend church every Sunday instead of just on Christmas Eve and on Easter right? That's why you guys are here today. We don't have to go on certain dates. Certain dates aren't more powerful or more important because in our Christian freedom and our desire to follow Jesus, every day is important. Every meal is important. Everything is to the glory of God. We want to serve Jesus with every part of our life and not just what some deem as required. See, that's a big difference. Relationship and requirement. I hope you guys don't treat your faith and church here and getting into your Bible and prayer as something that is required. Oh, I have to do it or I'm going to get in trouble from the, the big mean God. That's not the relationship that Jesus calls us to. This is the essence of Christian freedom. And then Paul follows up this warning verse in, in, in verse 16 with a de declaration in verse 17. Look at verse 17. Such things are only a shadow of what is to come, and they have only symbolic value. But the substance, the reality of what is foreshadowed, belongs to Christ. Oh, my goodness. That, that is a verse we probably, if you've read Colossians a hundred times, maybe you've breezed over that verse. But when we slow down and we really look at what is what is Paul is saying in verse 7, this is so good. This is so important. See, there are some great shadows we find in the Old Testament scripture, right? It's, it's prophetic um, writings, right? God, by way of the Holy Spirit, imparted upon the prophets things to say, things to things that were, were predictive, things that were going on, and those were shadows that were being cast, right? They're in the Old Testament. It's important to read the Old Testament. Those things that, that provide a glimpse of things to come concerning Jesus and the new covenant that he was going to establish. In fact, the first prophetic proclamation, the first shadow of the gospel message and the supremacy of Christ is found all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. Go back and read it. It's, it's a wonderful shadow of the things to come. And Jesus is so 100% completely involved in, Jesus, in Genesis chapter 3. Did, did you know, in fact, that everything in the Old Testament looks forward 
to the incarnation of Christ, the atoning work that Jesus accomplished on the cross, the power of the resurrection and the end of this church age, everything in the Old Testament looks forward to that. That's what it's all about. See, Christ is the light that casts the shadow, the shadows of the Old Testament validity. That is true. Who said true? Yes, it's very true. And it's not only true, it changes the way we read and interpret the Old Testament. It is absolutely vital and necessary. Now, if the false teachers that were coming against the Colossian church had been reading the Old Testament in light of Jesus Christ and seeing that as the shadows that they were, they would have a much more complete understanding to the point there probably wouldn't be an issue going on. So we must always read the Old Testament in the light of Christ. Always. Again, when we do such, we are living in the essence of our Christian freedom. See, in the Old Testament, man, God had to lay down some, some rules and some laws, and he did all of that. All of that. He set the Israelites apart for one specific reason, and that was to bring Jesus into the world. We have to understand that. We need to be praying for our, our Jewish brothers and sisters that they will come to the, the realization that Jesus Christ is, in fact, the Messiah and begin to, to read the Old Testament scriptures in a whole new way because it's in light of Jesus Christ. So we do this in order to grab hold of the essence of our Christian freedom and not the yoke of religious subjugation. The substance or the reality of what is foreshadowed belongs to Christ. It's right there in that verse. See, the new covenant that Jesus established means that the things to come have now come, and there's even more that are coming. So we read the Old Testament with the understanding that, that those things that it was looking forward to, it has come. We are living in the church age. We are living in such a wonderful time. Look at Hebrews 10.1. For since the law has only a shadow, just a pale representation of the good things to come, not the very image of those things, it can never, by offering the same sacrifice continually year after year, make perfect those who approach its altars. So the, the yearly sacrifice, all of those things that had to be done, only looked forward and predicted the perfect sacrifice that did come. See, it's all about Jesus, isn't it? That's why we as born-again believers, man, people are like, man, they're just all consumed with Jesus. They just all want to talk about Jesus. They just all want to read about Jesus. Why? Because it's all about Jesus. It has to be. It's all about our relationship with Jesus. It has to be. It's about us leading others to Jesus. It has to be. Jesus is the most monumental person in the history of this world. And the Trinity is the most perfect thing of all eternity. What an amazing plan God the Father set forth. And Jesus completed. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us and testifies to us every single day about those things. Look at Matthew 11, 28 through 30. You guys know this. Come to me, all who are weary and heavily burdened by religious rituals that provide no peace, and I will give you rest, refreshing your souls with salvation. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, following me as my disciple, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest renewal, blessing, quiet for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. See, see, as born-again believers, we can come to the realization and understand what all that actually means, right? Those that are apart from Christ, those that are separated from Christ, they don't understand it. 
And we have to help walk them through the burdens that they are actually under. Though they, they claim to be free, they claim to be happy, they claim to, to, just to live their life the way they want to, they're under such, such a yoke of bondage that they can never crawl out of it. It's our relationship with them. It's our representation of Christ. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that works in us and through us that helps people to get out of that. So stop trying to find rest in a list of do's and don'ts. Stop trying to find rest in the the religion of man's rules. Stop trying to find rest in an unhealthy desire to please others. See, you will never find rest if if you give your fear too much attention. So take his yoke. Take his yoke that is the Christian freedom that he desires for us to walk under. Now maybe, maybe this morning, maybe I'm just preaching to the choir, right? With, with those of you that are here. Yeah, Master, we know all that. We've heard all of this before. Forgive me if I'm preaching to the choir, but even the choir can struggle with these things and it needs to reaffirm their relationship from time to time. Wouldn't you agree? And now we come to this, this point in Scripture and we begin to take everything we have learned in Colossians up to this point, especially in chapter 2. Learn things like being built up in Christ, knit together and encouraged in Him, walking in union with Him, reflecting His character in the things that we do and that we say, living lives that lead others away from sin. Don't we love that one? We are to live our life in a way that actually leads others from sin. How many of us are doing that? How many of us are attempting to do that? Only through the power of the Holy Spirit can we. We need to be deeply rooted in Jesus and being continually built up in him, becoming increasingly more established in our faith, overflowing in it with gratitude, not being taken captive by false teaching, but rather being made complete in him identifying with both his death and his resurrection, not being judged by others, but living in our Christian freedom. If any of those seemed odd to you, you need to go back and listen to the messages that you've missed. We go in deeper in, in each, to each one of those. Now we take all of those and we, we take them all and we roll them all together and we see the genuine supremacy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ right there. Self-condemnation, religious bondage, it doesn't belong in your relationship with Jesus. He doesn't want it there. That's a self-induced situation. So you need to step away from that and you need to offer that up to God and say, God, I've, I've been doing it wrong. I've been condemning myself. I've been condemning others. I've allowed man's religious baggage to infiltrate my faith. Lord, I don't want that in my life anymore. That's where freedom comes. Not only in a theologic way. Oh, I have this knowledge and understanding of what, what Paul is teaching here in a theologic way. That's important. But more so, it's important to understand it in a personal way. Guys, we got to live free in Christ. And living free in Christ Man, that means the fruit of the Spirit is free to display itself in each one of our lives. Are you making it personal? Are you walking in your freedom? Because we should be. Because that's what Jesus wants. And that's what the Holy Spirit attests and leads us to. It's what the Bible attests to. Now we come to the best part of the service each and every Sunday. This is the part of the service that we call the response time, right? That's an, maybe an old way to say it, but, but really what the response time is, we come to this point where I, I take the ball. I feel like I, I got the ball up here, right? I'm up here preaching it, I'm, I'm teaching, I'm expanding, and, and I got it. It's right here in this ball, right? And it's everything that the pastor just said. But you can't leave here 
with only the words that the pastor spoke. So I have to take this ball and I got to pass it to you guys. I've done my job this morning, I hope. I feel confident that I spoke what the Holy Spirit wanted me to speak. So I take this and I pass it on to you. I put into your hands what we have been talking about. Worship team, if you guys want to make your way up here, we're in, we're in no hurry. It's this point that we respond. Will you receive what the word and the Holy Spirit has for you? Because as each one of you walked in here this morning, I believe that God had already prepared something for each and every one of you to receive. Will you open yourself and position yourself to receive just that? I want to end today before we open up the altars and we go back into worship. I want to end just with some questions to ask yourself. Just listen to these questions. If some stick out, if one sticks out, if a few stick out, please genuinely ask yourself these questions. Question number one, are you out of balance? Are you out of balance either way? You're out of balance on the one side where you've allowed man's laws and regulations and lists of do's and don'ts to infiltrate your faith. And it's really, it's really giving you a standard that you can never live up to. So what results out of that is nothing but self-condemnation. Oh, I'm just a worthless, worthless Christian. I can never get things right. That's not walking in the freedom of Christ. Or are you out of balance on the other side and maybe you take a, a few too many liberties within your life? And you're into the grace, grace, grace. I can do whatever I want on Saturday night because on Sunday morning in church, God's going to forgive me. And then I can start out Monday again with a clean slate and dirty it up. And by the next Sunday, I can erase it again. Been there, done that. Doesn't, how's that work out for you? Didn't work. Like Paul said, well, certainly not. We don't do that. So are you out of balance? Where you are in the balance scale? Ask yourself that question. Question number two, have you allowed other people to place unbiblical standards upon you? Other people. Are there people in your life, maybe maybe just from other religions, maybe from other denominations, and they're saying, well, if, if you go to that church, then you also have to do this. If you go to that church, you got to be don't you know you have to be baptized to gain salvation? Don't you know that you have to go through this class to, to actually be saved? And all these different rigmaroles, have you allowed people in your life to place unbiblical standards upon you? It's time to get free of that. It's time to get free of that this morning. Maybe it was relatives. Maybe it was parents. Maybe it was spouses. Let's walk in the freedom of Christ. Question number three, have you lived outside Christ's desire for your life because you have misused or abused his mercy or grace. Are you outside of it because of what you have done? Next question, have you allowed fear to influence your faith? This is a big one. Each one of us in here at one point in our life has allowed fear to influence our faith. And that's a wide spectrum there. Maybe it's just fear that you're going to be in trouble with God. Maybe it's fear of of jumping on that opportunity that the Holy Spirit is, is putting forth. Fear, 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 fear. Maybe it's fear that we might offend people. We don't seek to offend people when we stand in truth, but remember, we don't argue people either. When we live in the freedom of Christ, we don't have to live under the influence of fear. If you're dealing with fear this morning, it'd be a great morning to really bring that to the altar and dump it really begin that process of learning to walk in faith and not fear. Next question, are you holding on to any unforgiveness this morning? You guys can bring those lights down anytime too. Are you guys holding on to any unforgiveness? This could be 50-year unforgiveness. This could be this morning unforgiveness. And this especially could be unforgiveness toward yourself guys holding on to any unforgiveness. Christian freedom in the blood of Jesus means we don't have to. He took it upon himself. 
what an amazing God he took it upon himself so we don't have to live under that. Have you allowed the cares and the busyness and the stresses and the pleasures of this world to distract you from Christ? I'm asking you guys that this morning. A lot of the people that, that, that need to hear and answer this question are, are not here this morning, right? Isn't that the way it always goes? But within each one of us, there are there are cares and busynesses and stresses and, and pleasures that can quite easily distract us from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Even if they're benign, hey, it's not really good or bad, I just enjoy doing it, that is absolutely fine. God places things within our life for us to gain enjoyment from. However, he never places those things in our life if they are going to begin to crowd out his son, Jesus Christ, within our life. So can we all just be real honest this morning with ourselves? And we're going to have altar time here, like I said, but just take take a moment to reflect some of those questions. If you're feeling any nudge from the Holy Spirit, if you need prayer, anything, man, I'll meet you on the altar. I'll worship with you on the altar. I'll pray with you on the altar. I'll, I'll give you words of encouragement on the altar. Remember, Whenever I do an altar call here, I want you to remember this is not about regulations and requirements. Altar calls are all about freedom. We do an altar call because I want to give you guys the opportunity to respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life right now because you know as well as I do, if you walk out those doors, you're going to forget it or you're going to put it on the back burner so we respond immediately. It's not about those regulations and requirements because it's all about repentance and relationship. It's about you and it's about Jesus right now in this instant, in this moment in eternity. The Holy Spirit is saying, hey, you got to understand it's about you and Jesus right now. Life is precious. Life is fleeting. None of us know how long that we have. So we take an opportunity like this to respond. Everybody will stand with me. We're going to pray, and then we're going to worship, and the altars are open. Man, if you just want to get some more God and bask in the glory of God at this altar with others, man, if you're, if you're on your, 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 your last step, man, if that, that straw that's about to break the camel's back is about to be laid upon you, I invite you to come forward. And anyone in between, let's just have a time of worship and prayer and getting back to Jesus, running toward Jesus, all of those things. Can we do that this morning? Pray with me, Heavenly Father. What, what an amazing two verses in a book that has all amazing verses, but Lord God, thank you that you allowed us to take this this morning and dig into it. That we could take this this morning and, and be challenged by it. But also, Lord God, you always affirm us with your scriptures. So Lord God, I pray that each one of us can have a, a true understanding and live within the balance of our Christian freedom. Not taking advantage of our, our fellow man or, or, or this sinful world not being condemned by the religious systems of this world, but, but truly living in the Christian freedom that only the supremacy of Jesus Christ brings. So, so Lord, thank you that, that you call us into a born-again relationship with you. Because, Lord God, without that, we are nothing, and we can have nothing, and all we can look forward to is the death and the darkness. But because of you, there's hope and freedom and light and liberty and a yoke that is easy because, Lord God, you took that yoke upon yourself. So, Jesus, this morning I ask that you meet those people here at the altar, meet them in their seats, meet them online. But, Lord God, help us get through our junk so that we can begin to walk in the freedom of followers of Christ. We pray this in your name, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. 
This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com. And we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.